One thing that is really important to me when it comes to planning and goal setting is to recognize that people have different brains. We have different brains, we have different bodies, we have different lived experiences. And so I want to make sure that my approach to planning and goal setting, the approaches that I share with you here on Plan Go Plan, have enough flexibility in them to be able to adapt to different brains. When it comes to planning, and particularly when it comes to organizing, organizing the home, organizing physical spaces, many of the ways that we've been taught to do those things have been designed with neurotypical folks in mind. And so I'm so excited for today's guest because she is an expert in psychiatry and reproductive health. And so today I have with me Jenna Berenson, and she is going to talk with you all about her work. We're going to think about what is postpartum anxiety, what is ADHD, what's the relationship between those things, and then how do these things impact working moms' ability to make decisions, to do planning, to do the organizing that we talk about here on Plan Go Plan. Y'all, Jenna is brilliant. She is a visionary, and I'm so excited to get to share her work with you all. Whether you're neurotypical or neurospicy, we got you covered. Grab a pen. You're going to want to take notes for this one, folks. Do you want to feel less scattered and more focused, but the idea of goal setting sounds like adding more pressure to your already pressure-filled life? If so, welcome to the Plan Goal Plan Podcast. I'm Danielle McGew. I'm a professor, mom, planner addict, and recovering overachiever. After years of hustle and grind, I was tired of trying harder. I was ready to try easier. At the intersection of research, practice, and play, I found a purposeful path to planning and goal setting that is fun, simple, and sustainable. If you're ready to try easier, if you're ready to make memories and do meaningful work, grab a pen. I will equip you with tools and practices to clarify purpose, reclaim time, and achieve goals, playfully and lightly. Let's get started. I am thrilled to welcome today's guest. She is brilliant, she's energetic, and she's doing amazing work in the field of psychiatry, reproductive health, and she's been exploring the relationship between postpartum anxiety and ADHD. Y'all, her work, it is changing my life. I know that it is making an impact in the lives of the people that she works with, and I'm so excited that I get to share her with you all today. So welcome, Jenna. Tell us about your work. You know, tell us how you got interested in this connection between hormones and mental health. Danielle, I am so thrilled to be here. I know we've talked for a long time about my work and our collaboration together, so I'm so glad that it worked out today. So yeah, my interest in hormones and mental health, it goes back actually all the way to undergrad. I was a psychology major and biology minor and really knew at some point that I wanted to work with mental health and with wellness. When I graduated, I still wasn't sure about my path. So I actually went and did integrative medicine certificate at a school up in Minneapolis, where I'm from. And I had a professor there that we talked a lot about women and gender and that relationship between health and wellness. And that would have been in 1999. I actually just found a paper that I wrote, and I consider myself having been a baby at that time. And I talked about the connection between women's health, hormonal health, the concept of dis-ease, that we're not at ease in our bodies. And it was really profound for me. 
And yet, what do I do with this at that time? So I kind of sat in that, then went back to nursing school. And my spouse and I ended up moving down here to Iowa, where you are, Cedar Falls. He is a professor at UNI. So I started uh, working as a nurse and in nursing, and fellow nurses can attest to this, you can really do anything. It's, you know, one year you're doing orthopedics, and the next year you're doing gynecology. So I got my feet wet in a lot of different areas, decided that I wanted to go back to school. So got my family medicine nurse practitioner degree, and then ended up uh, working in a women's health clinic. And during that time with that work, that really reconnected back to that first connection that we aren't a body and a mind separated, that our lived experiences really affect who we are, that trauma and sexual assault and being othered in this world lives in our bodies. And so I was doing gynecology and sexual health with a lot of people where their stories, their trauma, their anxiety, their depression, whatever was going on would come up during their annual exams. And that made sense to me because of course you're going in, you're in a vulnerable space, working with a provider, they're in your space and you start sharing about other things that are vulnerable in your life. So then I had my own lived experience, which we can talk about as well. I decided to go back to the University of Minnesota. They have a doctorate of nursing practice program to become a psychiatric nurse practitioner. And it's actually the only integrative program in the country. So it kind of circled things back to where we are today. I love that. I think it's so fascinating when you talk to people and you know ask them, tell me your story. How did you end up doing what you're doing right now? And people are like, oh, yeah, when I was in high school, I thought that this is what I was going to do. And then I took a completely different path. And here I am again, doing the thing that I wanted to at like 15. It's 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 bonkers. I know that right now you're really interested in postpartum anxiety and ADHD. Could you talk a little bit about, you know, what are these things and, you know, what is it that you're learning about those things in your, in your experiences? Sure. And I think one thing that can be helpful to know is I actually have the lived experience of both. It's really interesting looking back at my whole life and my journey because of being misdiagnosed and misunderstood. I always knew my brain was different because what I talked about of that connection in undergrad, that actually went all the way back where how I viewed the world was very connected. Often folks with ADHD are, we don't think in a linear pattern. And so we often, people will say, you know, I study biology, I study economics, I study, you know, psychiatry. And that to me and many ADHD folks there's so much connection, right? Like, so of course that all connects. So I always thought that way, but I also felt really different with that. Part of my story too is I uh, was pregnant when I graduated with my FNP, my family medicine degree. And then after my son's birth, had my own mental health crisis and was diagnosed with 
postpartum depression and anxiety. And there's a lot with that too. And was not diagnosed with ADHD. Went all the way through my program. Phenomenal program, right? But we still are learning in this. This is what ADHD looks like. It didn't make sense that I would have it. And I myself had no thought of like, oh, that could be me. End up graduating. And then I'm in a setting that is so different for my brain where I'm not using tools that work for me. And actually a, a nurse that I worked with now, who's a, become a dear friend, she says to me, so did you take your ADHD meds today? And I was like, I don't have ADHD. And she was like, um, yeah, you do too. Like, oh, maybe this is a lens that we need to start looking at my postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. So went to my provider, phenomenal person who heard me. And I said, Hey, I'm not trying to self-diagnose. This is what I'm thinking really thoughtfully. It's like, Oh, okay. So then we looked at that. I got tested. Um, and then that truly is a diagnosis for me. And so that has helped me not only personally, but professionally be able to look at it, especially with motherhood. And when I went into psychiatry, I thought, and I know this is, I'm trying to focus it in girl, cause I have ADHD, but um, <laughs> it all makes sense. So I always thought like, okay, I'm going to specialize in postpartum. I'm not really going to do ADHD cause I don't see kids. <laughs> So far from the truth. So then I was like, okay, it's going to be ADHD and postpartum. Not sure totally how they connect, but now they do. And now truly so much is coming out about that because we do know the hormones in pregnancy and postpartum, estrogen and progesterone, all of those are directly linked to the neurotransmitters, norepinephrine and dopamine that are affected by ADHD. We also know the brain, one of the most profound times that it changes after we get into adulthood is during pregnancy and the two years after. The concept of epigenetics. So we can have these genetic predispositions for things and something, a big event, a trauma, a birth, postpartum can shift that and essentially flip on those genes. Also, many pregnant and postpartum folks may have had ADHD, either diagnosed or not diagnosed, but, and they were using tools that they didn't even realize. Oh, I just thought that me being, quote, anal retentive was just how I was, or I always was flighty, or I just didn't think that I could, quote, adult. When we start to look at that together, there's often this aha moment of, wow, it could be ADHD. Yeah, I know for me, I was diagnosed with postpartum anxiety and, you know, was treated for that. And my husband has ADHD. And of course, after we had our kids, his ADHD was revealing itself Yes, really, you know, intensely because, you know, we just didn't have sleep. And so as he was kind of dealing with these increased, you know, symptoms or side effects of um, I started studying it because I wanted to understand my husband and be able to support him yes. better. But then as I was studying it and I was hearing some of these connections, I went, oh, 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 oh. yeah. 
And so, you know, I haven't been officially diagnosed with ADHD, but I have some suspicions. I have some strong suspicions. And I do wonder when I was diagnosed with postpartum anxiety, did I have postpartum anxiety and ADHD or was there somewhat of a a misdiagnosis there? So what are some symptoms of postpartum anxiety and what are some symptoms of ADHD and why is it that those things sometimes get confused, especially, you know, like for women? Sure. Yes. So postpartum depression and anxiety, they often can look more of an anxious depression. So we don't usually see the kind of classic, can't get out of bed, sleeping too much, those kind of components. So we see a lot of um, irritability, difficulty sleeping, rumination. So there are some things that really fit anxiety symptoms. There's often a lot of intrusive thoughts, which that's a whole nother conversation. And so it can look like anxiety that way, but then depression, difficulty with concentrating, difficulty with focus, lack of motivation, which can be part of diagnosis of depression. That also, as we know, is ADHD. Does that start to answer your question? Because I have more I can explain. Yeah. So if let's say you had been diagnosed with um, postpartum anxiety, but you're thinking, oh, it might also be ADHD. Like, yes. what are some things what that I want to look for to yes. go, oh, maybe I need to make an appointment with someone? Yes. Good question. So there are quite a few resources and I can actually, we could, I can send them to you and you could link them. There's a lot of um, good resources on ADHD where postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression and motherhood is starting to be looked at. Um, and so those are professional references. And so that can be helpful to look at that. Now, I am opposite of a lot of people in our field who say, don't look at TikTok, social media, like that absolutely people are diagnosing themselves. Yes, and. So what I say is, if you're seeing something that resonates with you, right? Like I saw TikTok and all of a sudden all the TikToks are about ADHD. And I'm like, well, that could be me. Or I often hear from people like, I have it. I started to talk to a girlfriend and then it was like, oh, I think I have it. If there's parts again of your lived experience that are like, oh, it is okay for you to want to find and to work with someone who will hear you and listen to you because- That is our job as professionals then to talk through it of, okay, why is it not ADHD? Why do we think that it's depression? Or why is it, why do we think that it's trauma? Or, you know, this is a diagnosis that is rare, like some other ones that we see. We, we can't close off our patients and our clients to be like, I'm sorry, you saw it on TikTok. I'm not going to listen to that. Right. Because our Our number one thing is we need to create a space where people can be listened to, heard, validated. And that validation does not mean affirming a diagnosis someone thinks they have necessarily. It's validating of this is what you're experiencing. How do we look at that? How do we have you 
be able to, what I say is live healthy, safe, and with joy in our lives. That makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm like, okay. so here for healthy, safe, and joyful lives. And I know that one of the ways that you and I really connected and one of the ways that we started working together is that I've been, you know, really fascinated in how can I support people that have ADHD in planning and setting goals? Because I know that, especially with executive functioning, the way that you go about planning might need to be a little bit differently because how you experience time is different. So if, if you Yes. So if you're someone that has ADHD, what are some of the best tools to have in your toolbox to help you manage your time better? Well, you are a wonderful resource. I think one thing that can be helpful to really be validating, which people see is uh, we have a narrow idea. Many people have ADHD is, can you get your work done? Can you focus and work at school? I really want to affirm as someone with this lived experience too, is ADHD is really a whole different way of experiencing the world. So it's neurodiversity, neurospicy, living, having that brain, that lived experience in a more neurotypical world. So often you'll hear people who are like, I can do, I'm really good at this, but I can't adult, right? Like I am a trial lawyer and I can be spot on, or I'm a professor or a doctor, but try to help me do a grocery list, right? Or do these things, I can't do it. So I think honestly, one of the number one things is connect with people that hear you feel the same way to be able to validate that. Because time management, huge thing, time blindness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Folks with ADHD, we truly, you either hyper-focus often or there's uh, procrastination. It's very difficult. I like to call it attention variant. Being able to often set timers, writing things down. For me, myself, if I know that I'm in a hyper-focus in where I can't look at my watch or the watch is not there, I will set an alarm so I can be like, hey, I'm fully present with you. I'm not distracted. Then the alarm goes off and I'm like, okay, now we know I need to get out the door and do the next thing. Really, truly often for people seeing things. So yes, Google Calendar, all of those things can be helpful. I would say the majority of people having a written old school calendar can be really helpful because the idea of object permanence, out, out of sight, out of mind, that is, a lot of people with ADHD have that difficulty. So I joke about like, I often ask people, tell me about your laundry situation, you know, like tons of laughter. I'm like, how many times do you put it in the washer, leave it, have to rewash it because you forget it's down there. So knowing that there may need to be queuing because having something outside of where you can see it is also very difficult. Um, yeah. So you're actually sitting in my kitchen right now. Yes. And What's so interesting about that is if you, you know, go on Pinterest or you take a decluttering class, you know, one of the things that they'll teach you is to make sure that your counters are completely free of any objects. But, you know, living with someone that has ADHD and maybe myself having ADHD, that's not a great way to do things, right? Pinterest, like ways of organizing a home are not very ADHD friendly because if we don't have some of the things out on the counter where we can see them, we will forget about them. And so 
you know, I even think how you organize your home so that you trigger the tasks that need to get yes. done has yeah. to be different. And so organization that looks pretty on Pinterest, on TikTok, on Instagram, right, is not always the sort of organization that's actual fun- actually functional for ADHD brains. Absolutely. And that's, I laugh because I am going to be 48. So I grew up not in this technology. I try to explain that to my kids about this was a phone that was attached. Now I struggle with, you know, everything being online, electronic health records. When folks come and see me, I'm like, I'm going to be writing stuff down on a piece of paper. I'm going to use a blackboard. So for my own journey to actually open my own clinic is because I really struggled in a clinic where everything's starting to be online. We have a certain amount of time. I couldn't take breaks. And so that just knowing that was okay, that's how my brain thinks differently. And so it's not just because I'm 48, right? It's because to me, if it's not there and I visually can't see it, I struggle with it. But often when I meet with someone, I'm like, tell me about your laundry. And then like, tell me about do you prefer to write things down? And I ask these questions that allow for more conversation that isn't as intimidating of what are your symptoms? Because then it gives me a chance to be like, okay, that's kind of what they're saying. That makes sense. Another thing when we do screeners, and if someone is going to see someone and they're just doing the screener, we do these screeners of like, do you ever get out of your chair in the middle of a meeting? Do you interrupt people? And we have them answer, well, I don't do those things because I have to adult, right? Like, no, I don't get out of my chair during that. But am I thinking about it all the time? 100%. Am I fidgeting, classic, like tapping what we think? No. But am I someone that picks my nails? Do I bite? Am I doodling? So I it's supposed to be a screener. It's not supposed to be diagnostic. So often someone may do that. Then we talk through and then I'll say, okay, let's talk through Danielle at eight without the societal pressures, without what were your norms of be seen and not heard. The tools that you did, did you procrastinate? So I allow this space to kind of hear that narrative honing in on stuff. Is that maybe depression? Is that anxiety? Is that ADHD? Then I do the linear that I have to do. And then I come back out. It's really holistic, right? Really thinking through stuff. I love the idea of also going back to when you were younger, because I do think that there's a lot of ways that over time, in order to survive in a neurotypical world, people that are neurodivergent have developed different survival strategies, coping strategies, so that they can Mm -hmm. blend in, so that they can do well in school, so that they can exist in society that has been built for neurotypical people. So one of the questions that I have for you is, what are the roles that the people in our lives, whether those are our partners or our family members, or, you know, what roles can they play in supporting women whether it ends up being postpartum anxiety or ADHD, what are some ways that they can? Right. Them? Right. And that's something when you say that is like, 
I tell people you're more than your diagnosis, right? So if people come in and they're like, this is what I'm experiencing and you don't have this, I'm air quoting this diagnosis of ADHD, you're still having some struggles. You don't have to focus just on this diagnosis. Like, how do we help you? Another little side note for a second. Now you can see where guilt imposter syndrome. Why, why am I such a bad mother? All of that goes, it plays into the mommy wars and all of that too. So that's something we see more profoundly with women with ADHD, but yeah. How do, how do people show up for us? Whether it's ADHD, whether it's postpartum is validation for their lived experience is absolutely one of the biggest things. Okay. Is when you have ADHD, when you have anxiety, when you have something that can't be explained or rationalized. It can be hard for people to understand. So being able to say, I may not fully understand what you're experiencing, what going through, you're going through, but I hear you. I validate your experience and let's try to get you help or support. Um, because people will say, well, I'm not a mom to human people. I don't have ADHD and like tune things out. There is a message in all of this for everyone. Okay. And so showing up, validating the experience, educating oneself. So if it's two neurotypical people together, how do you navigate that kind of partnership? If there's one partner that doesn't have it, how do you learn how to communicate with someone that responds differently in the world? So there's a lot of different resources. It matters. It matters for people to be feeling like they're not judged, that they can um, be heard and seen so that there can be a look at how do we create fu the future that works for you? Um, because there has to be adjustments often of, it might not be a typical nine to five, right? Like you're saying, you might not have this Pinterest perfect house. Uh, from the outside, it might look like hot mess. It really shatters this idea of perfection and what is normal, what is normativity. And so that's what I say to anyone that I talk to is we as human beings, and especially in the world where we are today, like we don't have to have the same lived experience showing up for people, validating, and then saying, let's work together to find someone, people, community who can help you live your most successful life. And I know this is a sidetrack again, but like with everything that's happening in this world, right? The us versus them. You're a liberal, you're a conservative, you're, you know, anti this, pro this. Like we are all human beings. And I don't mean that in a dismissive, I mean it in that like we are all human beings trying to navigate this world and folks that have more typical existence or have experiences that are in the majority, what a gift that is. And if that's your experience, I feel it's one's responsibility to recognize what it's like to not have that and show up for people, be able to have more room for us all to authentically live in this world, whatever that looks like. Absolutely. Um, yeah. People are fantastic and unique and so diverse. And when I think about making sure that the planning and goal setting strategies that I'm teaching, you know, are inclusive enough that they can provide support to meet people wherever that they're at, regardless of their, you know, their neurodivergency or neurotypicality. 
I want, you know, I want this to enrich people's lives. And I think that creating those space, creating the tools that can really help everyone so that it can bring out everyone's unique weirdness. Like I'm like, bring out the weird, like I'm not here. You know, I'm really not that interested in like creating a whole bunch of robots where we're all doing the same thing and running our schedules perfectly. Like I'm here to like live joyfully and to like embrace like the quirkiness that people have. And, you know, so I really appreciate, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and the way that it just recognizes and validates people and recognizes that the experiences that we have matter. And that regardless of a diagnosis, if you're struggling, you deserve to be helped. I love that. And so if someone wanted to work with you, if they wanted to connect with you, how can they do that, Jenna? Yes. So at our clinic, the Nightingale Center, we are here in Iowa. And so we are definitely, if we're looking at psychiatric help and evaluation or mental health, we are seeing people both telehealth and in-person in our clinic in Cedar Falls. In regards to ADHD, there are some rules about whether or not someone has to be seen in person, but I see people for evaluation. I can do meds. That's not the end goal. So even if people are like, I just want to see you and figure out where things are at, we have therapists and we're growing. Long-term, we're hoping to actually do some too, where I can't see people and be their provider, but doing this education, this conversation, because knowledge is power. So we are evolving and growing. We are thrilled. And so it's the Nightingale Center in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Awesome. I'll make sure to post all that in the show notes that people can reach out to you if they are interested. And Jenna, I just want to say thank you so much. I've learned so much from you and I know that my life has been enriched because of the wealth of knowledge that you bring and just the humanity, the dignity that you meet people with is really lovely. So thank you so much, Jenna. You are so welcome. And I also just want to say having um, done work with you, having done your workshops, I feel the same way for you because often planning all of that can be really shame filled for folks that are neurodiverse. You yourself too really truly allow a space and authentically of how do you plan, create your world, the environment, your vision for the future, however your brain, your body, your experiences. So to say that I am profoundly grateful for our connection is an understatement. So Thank you so much for your work and for today. Thank you, Jenna. And to my listeners, I just want to say that I wish for you the ability to recognize if you see any of these symptoms in yourself or in other people that you might have the courage to reach out and get the support that you need, that you might recognize that there is beauty no matter how your brain works and that planning can be done in so many different ways. And I wish for you no shame. I wish for you tools and knowledge, and I wish for you a wonderful day. If this podcast has inspired you, guided you, or just made you laugh, the number one way that you can thank me is by leaving a written review for the show over on Apple Podcast. I'm seriously tickled every time that I hear from you all. So pop onto Instagram and follow Plan Go Plan and digital message me. I want to say hello. I want to geek out about all things planning and goal setting. 
keep sensing the possibilities, y'all.